Good morning, everyone. It's the 27th of July, and today I have with me Sheldon McDonald, Alex Byrne, and Tom Woodfield. Sheldon, if we could start with the US markets, what were the main events last week? Yes, US markets last week themselves were relatively quiet, ending with just a small decline. We did see a couple of data points released last week. The first, a little bit worrying, was the unemployment numbers. They moved up for the first time since March. So a little bit worrying there. People wondering if this maybe is a precursor to a weakening as the recovery seems to stall in the face of second wave of COVID. Also last week, we saw a ramping up of the tensions with China. And this obviously is also pretty concerning. It's one of the risks that has been out there for some time, the US-China relationship. And obviously, the increasing of the tensions there doesn't bode very well for markets. And then finally, though, on the positive side, we did see home sales come in fairly positive last week. Existing home sales reaching a record level and new home sales at a 13-year high. And these obviously boosted by record low mortgage rates they have in the States at the moment. So a mixture of positive and negative news last week. Thanks, Sheldon. Alex, what's been happening in Europe? Sure. So similar to what Sheldon said, really, it was a mixed week. The start of the week was pretty good. Mainly for Europe, key was the agreement of this recovery package. But mainly positivity for the early part of the week came from the expectation that vaccine trials are coming through pretty positively. One of the major ones being in the UK. But there's a range of different pharmaceuticals which have got fairly positive steps forward in pharmaceutical trials so that the expectation of a vaccine probably moves forward and is fairly positive. Um, but then the back of the week was a bit more mixed. On the week, Europe was down about 1.3% versus an ACQUI, which was down 0.5%, so slightly underperforming the rest of the world equity indices. There was a lot of data out in Europe last week, but I think firstly key was the agreement of the recovery package for Europe, which is obviously been on the cause for a long time now and it is significantly delayed versus other single countries around the world. The key sticking point had been in this 750 billion euro recovery package was the amount that was going to go to grants, so freebies essentially, and the amount that was going to go to loans. So initially the expectation was 500 billion in grants and giveaways and uh, the remainder 250 billion in loans. There was a group coined the, the Frugal Four, which were led by the Netherlands, which basically weren't happy with this, being that basically the northern entities stumped up a lot of the cost for this and the giveaway mainly benefits some of the more Mediterranean countries and southern countries in, in Europe. So they came to a compromise finally last week with a bit more of an even split, 390 billion given away in grants and 360 billion in loans, which was agreed upon. So we now actually get some of this recovery package flowing through the market and these liquidity benefits flowing through, which have been delayed for a long, long period of time, which provided some positivity. In terms of the data, so there was a lot of positive expectation already baked into numbers, I would say. So we had a lot of PMI data points out last week. These are essentially surveys on what the underlying proponents in the economy think the market's going to look like. With 50 being the kind of the neutral zone, there's an equal split between positive and negative. We'd moved from a period in the last month where we were pretty evenly balanced between good and, and negative, and the expectation was pretty positive going forward. Most expectations beat that significantly, however. So if you look at the services PMI for the European zone in general, last month's number was 48, so slightly below the positive area. With the forecast this month of being 51, the number actually came in at 55. And that was kind of reticent of all the, the different PMI surveys that, that we had over the course of the month. So there was a lot more positivity that was given 
and that was on top of already pretty punchy numbers to begin with. Excellent. Tom, what was the main responsible investing news last week? BlackRock published an investment stewardship update last week covering its activities from June 2019 to June this year. And this is part of its drive to improve transparency around voting engagement. This is something it's been criticised for in the past. The headline takeaways from this are improving alignment with investor initiatives, including the recommendations of the Task Force for Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, or TCFD, and Climate Action 100+, which is a collaborative engagement effort from various large investors. However, I would say this is offset by a mixed record on supporting climate-related shareholder resolutions and also a relatively small proportion of votes against management. So out of the 244 companies flagged by BlackRock themselves as making insufficient progress on climate issues, BlackRock only took voting action against 53 companies or 22% of those highlighted as being on watch. Some improvement, but definitely more room for improvement as well. So another story, this time in the credit rating space. So Moody's has described Lloyd's Banking Group's program to promote more black employees to senior roles as credit positive. So this is the first time that the rating agency has explicitly linked a company's credit worthiness to ethnic diversity measures. And the Financial Stability Board recently completed a survey on financial risks to do with climate change. And they found that around three quarters of respondents consider or are planning to consider climate related risks as part of their financial stability monitoring. So these financial authorities that make up the Financial Stability Board members are focusing on the implications of changes in asset prices and credit quality. And a minority of authorities also consider the implications of climate risk for underrating legal liability and operational risks. Thanks, Tom. Sheldon, moving on to what's happening in the week ahead. What do you see happening? We have a couple of data points this week, and probably the most important will be Q2 GDP figures out of the US. Those are due midweek. The expectation at the moment is for a decline of full 34% on a quarter-on-quarter basis. Obviously, a very big hit, and Q2 uh, will be where the biggest hit in terms of economic growth declines from the coronavirus will be felt. On another front, we also have the Fed meeting in the US essentially making an interest rate decision. We're not expecting to see any changes on interest rates this week. And Alex, is there any upcoming European data points? Yeah, there's a lot of data out this week across Europe. Probably the key ones, though, are the GDP numbers. So we've got GDP numbers for most of the major economies, France, Germany, as well as the Europe composite number as well. So similar to what we had in the US, there's an expectation of a big drop. So quarter on quarter, the expectation is for a drop of minus 11.2%. There is some potential to beat this. It's like obviously beat this being a fairly relative word at the minute, but to outperform this pretty negative number by a small amount. Just given the what happened in the economies over that period from March, but certainly the later part of the quarter could be fairly positive versus expectations. So there's potential for this to be slightly outperforming, but clearly still a very negative environment that's existing. Thanks. It sounds like there's a lot to look out for. And thanks, everybody. Thank thanks. you. Thanks, Louise. Louise.